I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. accused like a death eater of having a parasocial relationship with Voldemort <laughs> I, I feel yeah. like I would do that with like the kids of, of death eaters for sure like oh my god you like have a parasocial relationship with him like Draco that's like so embarrassing <laughs> <That's> so embarrassing <laughs> um yeah I wonder if you could accuse like all of them or like especially like Lucius and Bellatrix because like he don't give a fuck about well, he does know who they are, though. Yeah, he likes Bellatrix. He does like her. She's, yeah. she's crazy. Yeah, she's crazy. But, like, maybe... I don't know. Like, maybe, like, uh, Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if, like, he... When he first heard of the Order of the Phoenix, he was like, oh, my God, fan behavior. <laughs> He's like, wow, that's so embarrassing. They're so obsessed with me. Everybody is just so into me all the time. I'm, like, super famous, you guys. <laughs> They try to kill him, and he's like, um, I'm not your friend. Just because you see me post up doesn't mean that we're friends. Oh my god, like... You can't just try to kill me. You're not my friend. You can't say, like, mean things about me, okay? Like, we're not, like, having, like, a fun bullying friendship, okay? <laughs> he, like, says something problematic, and he's like, ugh, Voldy's gone viral again. They're trying to cancel me. <laughs> cancel culture strikes again. Just because I said something overtly racist. He's like, that's my thing. That's why people like me. It's like, I'm a troll, okay? <laughs> he is a fucking, um, what's her name? Shit. She's Trisha Paytas. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I really would like, it's just Harry Potter, but everything's the same except Voldemort is Trisha Paytas. Like, oh, played yeah. by Trisha Paytas as Trisha Paytas. Yeah, she just, like, re- replaces all of his scenes in the movies. Absolutely. She, like, is saying really, like, racist, blood racist stuff. Yeah. And then she's, like, a month later, she's like, I was just kidding. Why are you guys all here, like, saying that that's real? It's just, like, joking. Oh, my God. Like, I love mudbloods. Actually, I am a mudblood. I'm actually a mudblood, so what do you think about that? Yeah. So you actually can't say that term. I can. <laughs> this is my mudbud lunch that I'm eating. <laughs> mudblood mukbang <laughs> YouTube videos. Oh, that's funny. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast, Rejects. I'm Spencer, sitting here, of course, with Alaska. What's up? And um, we are doing our part two of our parasocial relationship series. Final um, part. Final well. part, yes. It's a quickie. Just a <laughs> one, two, and off we go. Um, but I'm really excited for this part. Um, we are going to cover one major parasocial relationship story, and then we're going to get into our deep dive rabbit hole discussion of John Mulaney and um, the internet and that right. whole shebang. So, you know, just a, a quick little episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we are going to start with the man who was a stalker of Jodie Foster. Okay. Um, who also uh, is famous. He's actually more famous for attempting to assassinate Ronald Reagan. Um, and those things are connected. <laughs> um, he, let's just dive right in. He is, <laughs> he's got a story, okay? okay. Like, we, we have a lot to cover. Yeah. So, um, his name is John Hinckley Jr. 
And he was born in Oklahoma, but moved to Dallas, Texas, the Dallas, Texas area, when he was four years old. And uh, because he was born into a very wealthy family, his father, John Warnock Hinckley, was the chairman and president of the Vanderbilt Energy Company. Shit. Yeah, so like fucking like wealthy. Really wealthy. Um, so he grew up in University Park, Texas, mm-hmm. and went to Highland Park High. Do you yes. want to talk about Texas a little bit? That is in Dallas. Like, it is like. It's really, it's a really fucking expensive area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's also where SMU is. Like, I think it's okay. down there. Um, super expensive private college. Mm-hmm. Um, it is in an area, like, you know, very poor area. And then all of a sudden it's like fucking mansions and right. shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is where, like, the rich people of Dallas live. Makes sense. Makes this, sense. This one area. Yeah. Um, so he um, obviously went to school there. Um for a while he graduated from texas tech um wow. after going to school on and off for about like six years um he even dropped rich and then you go to texas tech <laughs> yeah i know honestly he actually dropped out for a bit and then went back and was like okay then i'll graduate um and he actually stayed in texas he, when he graduated high school his family moved to colorado okay um, so he was the only one to stay in texas while he was going to college or whatever um, because they moved to be where the Hinkley Oil Company, like, headquarters was located in Colorado. Um, after college, or I think, actually, it's not clear, probably when he first dropped out before he went back to college, he moved to L.A. Um, and he his goal was to become a singer-songwriter um, and fabricated a girlfriend, Lynn Collins, <laughs> uh, to convince his parents that he was doing well um, out there. Uh, but eventually he ran out of money and would like, you know. As everyone does when they move to L.A. Exactly. That is the way of L.A. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he pled for money for them for a little while and they helped him out a little bit to let him live out there. But eventually he was there. Like His family was like, if you want money or like if you want like a place to stay like from us, you have to like move back. Like we're not going to pay for a place in L.A. for you. So he did. He moves back to Colorado um, and he starts purchasing different weapons and is, like, practicing with them. He buys, like, a shit ton of different guns and what? stuff. When is this? So he was born in 55. So he graduated high school in 73 and went to Texas Tech from 74 to 80. Okay. It was, like, when Just that was Just want to get, like, on. oriented of, like, what time period we're in. Yeah, for sure. Um, when he... Oh, uh, it was 76 when he returned to his parents' home for a bit. And it was, like, throughout the late 70s, early 80s that he was just hanging out there, playing with guns. As one Um, does. Yeah, you know, just the... Texas folk. Yeah. He went into a kind of a depression, obviously, not having really much going on in his life, kind Mm -hmm. of in a rut. Um, So he was prescribed antidepressant and tranquilizers for unspecified emotional problems. Mm. And this is the only, like real public knowledge and record of him being on specific drugs. Right. Probably um, bipolar, I would imagine. Yeah. That would probably track. I'm like with tranquilizers. I think it would be that. Yeah, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, a psychology was a different world also in the 80s yeah. than it is now. They so. just, like, called everything, like, schizophrenia, and they were like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Schizoid disorder. They're like, ooh. <laughs> I don't know. If he was a, a woman, it would be like, he's hysterical. He's just, like, being... It's like his time of the month. (laughs) 
Um, and during this time, Hinkley becomes obsessed with Jodie Foster after watching the 1976 movie The Taxi Driver, okay. which I had to look up this movie. I didn't know what it was. Um, the premise is insane. Um, it's The main character is played by Robert De Niro, who plays a deranged loner who drives a cab at night simply because he has insomnia and doesn't know what to do. And he grows uh, increasingly detached from reality as he dreams of cleansing the city of its filth. Um, you know, okay. He uh, meets a campaign worker for um, you know a presidential candidate, and he's decide he decides that to start his cleansing of this city, he is going to assassinate this presidential candidate. He is doing so to what he believes is uh, to rescue a sexually trafficked twelve year old Iris, and Iris is played by Jodie Foster. Got it. Yeah. That's an intense plot. Mm-hmm. And this movie is actually based on another criminal, um, Arthur Bremer, who wrote diaries that were uh, used to inspire this movie. He actually attempted to assassinate George Wallace, who was an independent candidate in 1968, who was running against Nixon and Hubert Humphrey. Huh. He was governor of Alabama for one term, and he was staunchly pro-segregation. That was like his big ticket item on his campaign is, I will segregate everyone again. Wow. In okay. 1968. Yeah. <laughs> like, so oh. That's a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so the impact of the Wallace campa- campaign was actually pretty substantial. He won like several uh, electoral votes in several states in the Deep South. He didn't expect to actually win the election. He was just, like, trying to make a statement. Um, But he was doing also to... His strategy was to prevent either major party from winning a majority. He was just, like, wanting to, like... just split the vote. Yeah, exactly. So a movie based on a criminal who wants to assassinate a president inspires another person to assassinate a president. It's just, like... Just what are we doing here, guys? trying to assassinate presidents. <laughs> they were like, they just took one notebook. They all got one set of notes <laughs> that they're working from. I mean, that's every school shooter now, isn't it? Yeah, they, ha- all, they all have the like playbook. Copy, <laughs> copy, copy paste. The other yeah, they were like, oh, take down notes from these events. I'll do the exact same thing over here. Yeah, we're like, okay. <laughs> you try being original? So he starts um, contact with, um, starts to attempt to contact Jodie Foster in 1981. And at this time, uh, Foster is a student at Yale and um, Hinckley moves to New Haven, Connecticut to be able to like stalk her in person. Gross. Yeah, very gross. He starts sending her love letters, romantic poems, uh, repeatedly calling her and leaving her messages. Um, One very famous note is the note from March 10th, 1981, which says, Jody, goodbye, exclamation point. I love you six trillion times. Don't you maybe like me just a little bit? And we'll have a picture of this on our Instagram as well, if you guys want to see the note. We will. In parentheses, you must admit I'm different. Yeah, that's true, buddy. Um, (laughs) Built different. (laughs) He's built different. (laughs) This part's a little bit hard to read. It says, it would make all of this worthwhile, I think. Or (laughs) worthable is kind of what it looks like it says. I think it says worthable. I might just be an idiot. I love how it says John Hinckley, of course. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, course. Just, of course. And he also noted the time that he wrote it, which was 1 a.m. Exactly. On the dot. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's like the big one that people were would use for these publications and stuff when they were talking about this story. This I is like mean, the most famous note. Is this guy still alive? 
Yes, he is. Okay, and we'll gonna... get to where he is now. Okay, I was going to make an R.I.P. John Hinckley joke. You would have loved Twitter. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> he also would just write um, monologues and, like, manifestos just, like, for funsies. Yeah. And he would also record them as well. He has, like, a tape recorder where he would just, like, talk. Gross. Um, and have his, like, you know sermons almost and this was a monologue that he had from december 31st um 1980 so like just before he started sending her stuff that's very long and we'll link it so that you can read it but i just love that it has um (laughs) just starts with john lennon is dead the world is over forget (laughs) it It's just going to be insanity. If I ever make it through the first few days, I still regret having to go on with 1981. I don't know why people want to live. <laughs> like, <laughs> babes. dramatic. This is a lot for a wife beater. Oh, no, like, John Lennon is like, really going to be the one you put all your fucking eggs in. Yeah. Um, and this monologue is significant because this is what, um, during his trial, is kind of set up to be, like, the indicator of like him deciding that he's going to go, um, you know, stalk and pursue Jody because it finishes with my obsession is Jody Foster. I've got to, I've got to find her and talk to her some way in person or something. That's all I want her to know is that I love her. I don't want to hurt her. I think I'd just rather see her not, not on earth than being <laughs> with other guys. I wouldn't want to stay here on earth without her, which is like, Big ol' yikes. Yeah, I'm like, ooh. It's like, uh oh. That is a a smoking gun if I ever heard one for a freaking trial. I don't want to hurt her. I just don't want her to be on Earth. I just, like, don't want her to be on Earth if she's going to be with other guys, you know? Um, Obviously, he was getting no reciprocation from Jodie Foster. Naturally. Um, I don't know why, you know, anyone would assume that she would respond to these kinds of behaviors. But he was now considering some new ideas for getting her attention, um, including hijacking an aircraft or committing suicide in front of her. Just, you know, two equally great things. Super cool. Um, What is the... Like, why commit suicide in front of her? Like, you're going to be able to see a reaction. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in that guy's head. But that was just something he was considering. It was just an idea he was tossing around um, in his little think tank. (laughs) Um, but he decides, ultimately, that the best way to impress Jodie Foster is to also attempt to assassinate the president, who at the time was Jimmy Carter. So this would give him, like, a place in history, and she would see him as her equal. Um, um, that was, like, he was, like, that's the only outcome out of this situation. And right. I read this, and I was, like, hold up. I thought he attempted to assassinate Reagan. Well, he followed Jimmy Carter across multiple states for months and was eventually arrested in Nashville on a firearms charge before he could get close enough to Jimmy to do it. Um, he went to a psychiatric treatment facility for depression in Colorado and was somehow released, but it didn't seem like his mental health improved at all. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And uh, by this time, Reagan has now been elected and inaugurated. So he decides, okay, now I gotta go for this guy because Carter's not president anymore. Um, and so I, mean, I guess I would rather him kill Ronald Reagan than Jimmy Carter. I know. Yeah, it was like the peanut like, guy. I gotta leave him alone. Choose one president. It's gonna be Ronald Reagan. Like I think it's a clear choice. 
Um, so he studies the JFK assassination so that he could get it done right this time. I don't know that that's the one I would I would look into. Yeah. I don't know that Lee Harvey Oswald should be looked as like a an example of right. how to do things correctly. Yeah, as like a, a guy who can like get things done mm-hmm. right and well uh, successfully. I don't think that's really what he's known for, but whatever. At least... I guess he's doing research. Yeah, he's he's trying. <laughs> he's getting prepared. He's mm-hmm. not just going out there willy-nilly. Yeah, you know, he was just, like, road tripping, basically having a good time when he was going after Carter. But now he's, like, really getting serious. He's <laughs> like, okay, well, if this is my life's goal, I gotta put in the work. I want to know, like, what he found in his research. Like, you're like, okay, like, give me, like, a summary, John. Like, what'd you see in, like, your fucking research about mm-hmm. this? Just like I bet his notebook was, like, JFK died. <laughs> in building with gun, he yeah. shot him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, wow. Wow. You did it. Great. He's like, okay, let's see. So what's different between my attempts, <laughs> my, you know, moves that I've made and what Lee Harvey Oswald did? And he was like, guy died. They were like, okay, <laughs> that's what I need to do. I need to make sure the guy dies. That's where I've been messing it up. Got it. Got okay. it. Got it. Okay. Um, so the day before his assassination attempt, uh, he writes a letter to Jody with the famous line, Jody, I'm asking you to please look into your heart and at least give me the chance with this historical deed to gain your respect and love. Okay. Okay. I mean, <laughs> she's not gonna, but <laughs> at like, least he asked. Right. He's like, please, please. Though. But I asked nicely. <laughs> I asked really nicely. So on March 30th, 1981, he is outside the Hilton Hotel in D.C. holding his 22 caliber ri- revolver. Um, you know, it's got six bullets in it and he shoots all six of them. Okay. Uh, he actually did wound Reagan. Oh my God, he made it to Reagan. Yeah, okay. he made it to Reagan. He <laughs> literally was there outside um, and he was able to wound Reagan, a police officer named Thomas Delahanty. And uh, Secret Service agent Tim McCarthy. He also critically wounded press secretary James Brady, who was permanently disabled in the shooting and died from his injuries 33 years later. Um, And his death was, um, at that time, ruled as a homicide. Jesus. Yeah. And um, this was a real hack job. Yeah, it was just like. I guess he did get that from Lee Harvey Oswald. He did. He was like, you just shoot. You You just hope for the best. Shoot all of your bullets and it'll hit somebody. Somebody will get hit. Yeah. That's for sure. And he did hit four people with six bullets. So that's a, you know, pretty good margin, a good percentage there. Um, The bullet that injured Reagan didn't hit him directly, it ricocheted off the side of the presidential limousine and hit him in the chest. And the closest. Just trying to imagine the physics of that, of how it could... Interesting. Yeah, it's hard to tell because obviously there's not really, like, pictures or anything of this event. But I think from what I can tell is that he was standing on the sidewalk, like, against the building or whatever... Reagan walks out, is walking towards the Oh, limousine. he's not in the car. Yeah. Okay. He's, okay. sorry, I meant to say, he came out of the building. They're walking out of the building into the car. So he's walking towards the car. And Should he have shoots. waited for him to get in the car, you know? That's what Lee did. Right. I was <laughs> like, come on now, didn't you study your notes? This is the pop quiz. This is the big final. And you didn't do it right. So the closest person standing next to Hinckley was Alfred Antonucci, who's um, a labor official from Ohio, and he immediately hits Hinckley on the head and pulls him to the ground. Nice. I know. It was, like, a pretty tactical move. Way to go, Alfred. Yeah. I mean, he didn't stop him from shooting his gun six times. No. He jumped in there at the end. He, jumped, you know, he counted he jumped, those six bullets, and then he was like, oh, okay, okay, now I'm going. His gun is out, so he cannot shoot me. I'll get him. <laughs> 
Um, but he's doing better than the two Secret Service agents who, I don't know, aren't doing their fucking jobs or whatever. But they, after um, Antonucci does this, dives onto Hinckley to protect him so that he wouldn't get shot like Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. <laughs> so at least scene. they did their homework. <laughs> They were like, we're not doing this again. They're like, not again. Not another fucking Dallas fucker coming in here, getting (laughs) shot after he shoots the president. Fuck. (laughs) You know, so at least someone did their part right. Uh, But they didn't protect him well enough, it seems, from both Antonucci and another labor official, Frank McNamara, because they both start punching Hinckley in the head and eventually drew blood. Like, they were getting some shots in. (laughs) They would really love Ronald Reagan. (laughs) Like they're like, Vince that's for my boy, Reagan. <laughs> like, no, don't kill him. He wants to keep poor people poor. <laughs> he has important work to do. <laughs> so, obviously, he gets arrested, is on trial, and in... 82, by the time the trial ends, he is found not guilty by reason of insanity. Makes sense. Yeah. And so he was committed to St. Elizabeth's And after the trial, Hinckley wrote that the shooting was, quote, the greatest love offering in the history of the world, unquote. Okay. Um, And was very disappointed that Foster did not reciprocate his love. He's like, come on. Complete the task. So it's like, it's not even the greatest love offering because you didn't even do it. I know. It's like, Hinckley, you didn't kill the guy. Yeah. I was like, that's the whole point. Human (laughs) sacrifice for love. And you did not sacrifice his life. You messed it up. God, it's like, what do you expect? She wants to be with some bumbling idiot. Honestly. She's a movie star (laughs) and gay, but that's for later. (laughs) So he was sentenced um, to St. Elizabeth's for, I believe, an undetermined length, but like basically like a life sentence. It's very unclear. I mean, that's how usually these things go. Because it's like different than just going straight to prison. It's not like a sentence. It's like up to their discretion. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2003, his restrictions within this facility were gradually lessened. And in 2017, he was granted convalescent leave to live full time with his mother in Williamsburg, Virginia. And she died in her sleep in the summer of 2021. Wow, really recently. Yeah, super recently. Um, so obviously there's been a lot of stuff in the air with where he's going to stay, you know, what kind of care and um, mental health, like, support he's going to get, especially now that his, he's not living with his mother. Right. Um, out in the wild. Mm-hmm. But around this time, the court decides that they are going to release him after these 40-something years of being within this facility and the prosecutor wanted to establish that he would be monitored for nine months because at the same time his primary doctors um, are uh, were retiring and disbanding their therapy group so not only has his mother died they're considering some sort of release but also his main you know mental support system is going to be disbanding so there's a lot to consider as they're yeah figuring out his restrictions and his monitoring. So as of June 2021, um, people are basically just like waiting on further updates on what this kind of monitoring would be. But basically the leaning is towards letting him live on his own with just a lot of doctors and support nearby. And he's like, you know, doing his own thing. Interesting. Um, The court decided in September that he is allowed to release artwork and music and he even has a YouTube channel. 
um, which is a little embarrassing because he has way more subscribers. <laughs> He's got 24.7K subscribers. Not bad. Um, as of January uh, 2022. And he sings and plays guitar on there. He's, I'm not going to feel bad about it because he did try to shoot the president. Yeah. So it's like, I would probably subscribe. Yeah, honestly. If I knew he was aware, I'd be like, well, I'm going to watch it. Like, yeah. If Charles Manson had a YouTube channel that I'm releases music, like, kinda watch it. I'm going to have to watch. Yeah. If anything, just to be like, that sucks. Yeah. Because music bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so if you're curious, you can just look up John Hinckley Jr. on YouTube and check out his songs. The Ronald Reagan uh, Presidential Foundation and Institute have obviously been a huge part of his, like, uh, prosecution and talks about his restrictions and monitoring. And they their official position is that he is still a threat and they strongly oppose, like, any sort of release. Like, they want him, like, in that facility, like, till he dies. Nobody cares about the Ronald Reagan <laughs> Presidential Foundation. It's like... Why, why are like, you talking? He's not a threat to you. I'm like, shut up. You're not a part of this. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm scared. I'm, we're so scared. I'm like, okay. <sighs> Reagan is already in hell. Like, like what are you get worried about? over it. <laughs> Honestly, like, who's he going to come after now? It's so, like, and Jody is publicly gay. I'm sure he's moved on. Yeah, I'm sure he's, you know, fine now doing something else. Um, and, you know, it seems like he's doing well. He doesn't have any other really big presence anywhere other than the YouTube channel. Um, I wish he was on Twitter. I want to hear his thoughts. <laughs> I feel like I, love it. I actually, like, weirdly love him in comparison to, um, you know, Dante Sayu that we talked about last episode. I'm like, right. he's, like, too religious for me. Um, and he's, like, peddling his vitamins just like Gwyneth. Like, you know, yeah. like, I just, like, I wouldn't vibe with him. But John... He's got things going on. Yeah. He made a couple of mistakes, i.e. not being able to actually complete the job. I know, honestly. <laughs> Ugh, and now we got to fucking deal with the minimum wage. <sighs> Trickle down economics. God Come damn on. it. Um, Hinkley. God, Hinkley, you, <laughs> 2016 and on wouldn't have happened the way it did if Hinkley finished the job. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute. This is satire. (laughs) This is is a joke. Uh, We have jester's privilege. (laughs) Um, Please, please don't come for us. (laughs) Ronald Reagan is already dead. It's not a real threat. It's not a real threat. If I die, then it's a threat. Yeah. Because then I'm coming after him in the afterlife. Once I'm in hell, it's a threat. It's an active threat. I'm coming for him. Um, but yeah, that's the story of John Hinckley Jr. Interesting. Who is like my favorite person this year. <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like that is like the pinnacle of a story of someone who has like an extreme parasocial relationship, you know, is like obsessed with this person, thinks that they can do some sort of act that will just mm-hmm. make them love them, acting like they know them personally, all of that stuff. Like this is like classic. Yeah. I'm like, that is a parasocial relationship gone bad for sure um so let's get into the whole mess with john mulaney (laughs) which um you know too long didn't read yeah is the reason we did this and also because i don't think people have parasocial relationships with him yeah maybe someone out there does but talking about how they don't really support his actions on like the internet i don't think qualifies yeah as a parasocial relationship um but we'll get into the reasons why yeah um, so, let's see. There's we just, very... like, unpack what happened first. Yeah, we're gonna go through the timeline, which is kind of messy. Um, so the public finds out in 
May of 2021 that Anna and Anna uh, Marie Tendler and John Mulaney are getting a divorce. That is like the big news. Um, People are obviously saddened by this. Right, because he's built his career around loving his wife. Yes, like a lot of his comedy has been, I love my girlfriend and then I love my wife. Um, How can you be making comedy jokes about hating your wife that's super weird? You know, yeah, a big crux of his thing. And... You know, that's kind of like the major public feeling is just, whoa, can't believe this happened. That's kind of crazy. Right. It's Um, like a bummer because you're sort of like, oh, it's sad that they're getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. And also at this time, uh, John Mulaney is like publicly, you know, has just gotten out of rehab and this is not his first time in rehab. So obviously people are know how this whole thing goes. Rehab takes a while addiction recovery is really hard. You know, nobody's really judging a guy for going through a divorce. Maybe this is just not his support system and he needs to change things if he wants to get better. You know, things are happening behind closed doors that we don't know about. Public census is just a bummer. And then she releases a statement. She releases a statement through her PR uh, representatives um, saying that she is blindsided by this divorce. Mm -hmm. And so people are like, hmm. This is a little weird. Right. Like, she was like, I'm heartbroken that he chose to end our marriage, mm-hmm. making it very clear that it was a one-sided. It was a, yeah, a one-sided thing. choice. And so that's like what's pricking people's ears. They're like, hold on. Like, you know, I, it would be one thing if it's like there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of, you know, right. things about rehab and the like or whatever. You know, that's like can be understandable that culminates in a divorce. But like she's she's blindsided by this. like. Right. That's a, a strange thing. Months later, um, it... It's not even months, wasn't it? Like a couple weeks? Oh, yeah. Not even... Yeah, it was like a few weeks later mm-hmm. after the divorce announcement. It is uh, seen that John Mulaney is dating Olivia Munn, who is a menace. <laughs> she um, really is a menace to society. <laughs> Olivia Munn, um, as personally, me, as a half-white, half-Asian person... Um, I can say for the Asian community, we do not claim her. <laughs> she is fucking crazy. Um, yes. Um, Miss Ma'am has, like, I remember her tried to be a homewrecker. Yeah, homewrecker for who? I don't know. Some other couple. Some other couple. Uh, she wrote that terrible book that was yeah. super, like, anti-woman. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, super anti-woman. It was, like, gives such pick-me energy. Yes. She's like, I'm hot and nobody else is, and that's why women hate me. And they deserve to because they're jealous. Right. Um, super um, weird. I was really obsessed with John Mulaney. Yes. Long before they got together. Long before, like, she was, you know, just, like, by his side at events, people were saying, like, um, tweeting about him in, like, specific ways. I don't know. It was just a, a lot. She was, like, clearly, like, all up in his space mm-hmm. for a while. And then, you know, only a few weeks after the divorce, they're, like, publicly dating. It's like, uh-oh. Right. A and bit it weird. very much seemed like they announced the divorce so that he could announce he was dating somebody else. Yes, basically. Um, um, and then not too long later does the clock tick by, and Olivia Munn has uh, now been seen as pregnant. She's preggers. <laughs> Um, and people are like, hang on a minute. This timeline is not adding up. This timeline is super weird. Um, and basically as she gets more pregnant, it's more, you know, people can tell easier how far along this pregnancy is. And it's pretty clear that she has been pregnant since March. Right. 
which obviously, as we said, the divorce is official or it starts to be official in May. That's when it's first filed. But she's definitely, you know, been there since March. And so people start looking back at Anna Marie Tendler's Instagram and her artwork, which obviously is very uh, impacted by her life. And she has a harrowingly sad um, artistic piece that she created called Dinners in March. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is her looking very forlorn and vulnerable at a empty, huge dining room table in their new house in Connecticut. Yes. And it's deeply sad. And people are like, hang on a minute what's been happening (laughs) what's going on i gotta say this was like crazy when this shit yeah this like when people figured out the like pregnancy timeline Ooh, the internet was blowing up seeing tiktoks of people who were like i can't say who but i do run in circles with people who are friends with her and they're saying she's pregnant yeah i started getting those tiktoks and then like two weeks later it was like she's pregnant yeah like oh shit yeah there was like tabloid photos of her like wearing baggy clothes but you could still kind of see like a little bit of a bump um and people were like freaking out Um, she really pounced on him right out of rehab right out of rehab yeah locked him in with that baby yeah it's it's a lot. I'm like, um, obviously he, you know, is also a shitty person, but that's yeah. pretty, it's pretty insidious to have someone get out of rehab and then mm-hmm. you are like, I'm, I'm going to destroy your marriage. Yeah. I'm going to like, yeah. Cause I'm like, oh, that's on you. Even if he's like, oh, I'm, we're separated or we're going to get a divorce. Like mm-hmm. you're still with a married man. Yeah. That's like deeply embarrassing. Yeah. I'm like, you. you should not be going anywhere near someone who like has not finished their divorce filings. Right. Like and it needs to be like just official. Got out of rehab where they like tell you not to start new relationships. Yeah. That's like the like major major rule of like addiction recovery is like don't start major romantic relationships you know keep your support system if they're good for you you know yeah just like work on yourself and he did not do that so after this happened Mm -hmm. when it first broke yeah he was like with olivia Mm Munn is when all of the stuff on tiktok started to go down yes so obviously people this is like like i said this is like crazy Mm mm-hmm the, this man whose public image is based on his real life. Yeah. Obviously, everybody has a false persona. Obviously. Especially stand-up comedians who are barely real people. Yeah. And, but he has built his career on, like, loving his wife joke. So, obviously, mm-hmm. him getting divorced was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And then him, like, immediately with another woman, mm-hmm. like, very soon after... Like, very publicly. Yeah. And with a woman who has said out loud that she had been obsessed with him. Like, it was just a lot. Mm-hmm. So people were making TikToks about it. Yeah. Uh, dissecting the situation as one does. Um, sharing their opinions yeah. on the situation. I mean, like, with any celebrity drama whatsoever, people are going to talk about it. You know, you're in the public sphere. People know your name. If you've got shit going down, people are going to talk yeah. about it. People it's are like, going to decide. It's a bummer that it. people are all up in your business, but... Sometimes it's just really interesting. <laughs> it's just really interesting. And I'm not going to like, you know, like, be if like, if this happened to someone you knew in real life, you would be talking about it for six months straight. For so <laughs> long. Are you kidding me? If I overheard somebody else like in a cafe, like if I overheard, you know, a woman being like, okay, so like me and my husband like uh, got a divorce and then I found out that like he's got this new girlfriend and she's like been the person that he's like don't worry about her babe but like of course I should have been worried about her because like of course they're together like 
like two weeks after our divorce Mm -hmm. and then I find out like a few months later that she's like fucking pregnant and if I'm like overhearing this from a fucking stranger in a cafe I'd be like what I'd be like girl who is he we ride it on I would just love to say that this is like true of like I don't know there I remember when she was posting she was posting a lot about um Olivia Rodrigo's music Mm -hmm. Uh, which is also about being in love with a man who then broke up with her and was dating someone else two weeks later. Yeah. To someone that he said, don't worry about her. Yeah. Um, that I feel like a lot of women have had this experience. Me Very much so. Um, so when this happened too, I think a lot of people were very sympathetic to her because they knew exactly what that pain felt like. Yes. Like that, like- you know, finding out these things and then having to find out that, he, you know, this woman is pregnant. Like mm-hmm. so much of this is just like unbelievably painful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it makes sense that people would talk about it and honestly side against John Mulaney. Yeah. Except for men who were like, well, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. And it's Ugh. like, yes, but this is from behind closed doors. Yeah. And also like it doesn't, it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, that can be true for like the intricacies, the nuances of a relationship. But like doing something that is just really shitty. Yeah. Uh, is doesn't not fall into the you never know what's happening behind closed doors. Yeah. Unless they're somehow playing a long con mm-hmm. where this was a scheme. Yeah. That does not count. Yeah. Because it's like, well, he publicly did this. It's mm-hmm. not behind closed doors. Right. But men love to say that. That was the first thing that I started hearing on TikTok before the parasocial relationship TikTok started coming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's also important to note to, A, yes, what we've just been talking about, that women... Um, either have had this situation happen to them or know someone who this almost exact situation has happened to them. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously women hearing about the situation are pretty sympathetic to Anna um, and kind of like on her side of this whole drama. Um, And then also it's important to note that a lot of John Mulaney's fans currently and like around this time are teenage girls, which, you know, the fact that teenage girls like anything, it immediately becomes a punching bag point for anybody else. Yes. Um, we saw that with One Direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw that with any, I don't with know. Twilight. Twilight, fanfic, you know, anything that teenage girls enjoy, it immediately becomes a point that people can just right. shit on. Right, they need to find a reason that it's bad. Exactly. Like, their interest in it is a bad thing, actually. Mm-hmm. It's a bad thing, and it's really evil and insidious, and they're horrible people, mm-hmm. even though they're teenagers they and are. women. Yep. But, um, so, obviously, because he has a huge fan base of teenage girls, a lot of teenage girls are making these videos being like, I can't believe he's done this. Like, this is really disappointing. Like, it changes my perception of his content now. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I can enjoy his content. Yeah, it sort of retroactively ruins all of his stand-up. Right, because, like, how can you watch a man be like, publicly proclaiming how much he loves his wife and then does all of this stuff to this person. It makes it, like, very not funny and very, like, kind of cringy to Mm -hmm. watch. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's like, how do you... You can't enjoy his content anymore. And that was, like, the crux, I think, of the videos where just people being like, I'm disappointed. His content isn't the same for me anymore. I don't know if I can continue, like, being his fan. Um, And then here comes the little tiny pee-pee boys. Honestly. um, Saying... Um, stop having a parasocial relationship mm-hmm. with this man. Like, you didn't know him. They You're all not started, his friend. They like, all started with, just let him live his life. Yes. You have a parasocial relationship with him. Yeah. And it's like, 
Um, I am not the one trying to protect him so that he can live his life. Yes. I was like, I'm not doing, I don't even know him. Yeah. I don't think I know him. Yeah. These women who, then these like teenagers know they don't know him. Yeah. And none of their videos are making it seem like they think they're friends with him. Yeah. None of them have been like, I have been personally, um, you know, affected by this as John Mulaney's friend. And that's why I'm upset. Right. They but are saying, very like, clear. Let him live his life is something you would say about your shitty friend. Exactly. I was like, that is a weird response. It's a super weird response it's for also, someone you don't know to be like, just let him do whatever he wants. Okay. It's also, and this is like a weird tangent, mm-hmm. but it has, is something that a man has said to me about Chris Brown. And I was like, <gasps> I don't like listening. I won't listen to Chris Brown's music because he is an abuser. Mm-hmm. Like he is a fucking monster. Yeah. He almost killed Rihanna. Mm-hmm. And he's like, just let him live his life. And I'm like, okay, well me not listening to his music doesn't actually affect him. And yeah. also fuck you, you're definitely like, this is definitely coming from a man that would do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You've just just outed yourself as someone who would do this. Yes. Or like, if this man was your friend, you would not. He would not side with you. Yeah, he would not side with you at all. He would be like, my best friend is in the right. Yeah, he'd be like, like, why can't you just forgive him? Why can't you just let him live his life? Honestly. And I'm like, people criticizing celebrities on the internet is not like really impacting their life and like, that huge of a way. Especially yes. when it's like public facing, like mm-hmm. it's like making content talking about how you feel about it. Yeah. It's different than like, you know, anime profiles on Twitter, like mobbing people and telling them to kill themselves. Yes. It's like that's different. Those are that, different that things. That's a different response. But talking about like JK Rowling and how her opinions like hurt you as a person or mm-hmm. like hurt the community is not the same as like the people who are constantly like sending death threats and like hounding her online like abusing her basically yeah like like, people weren't like (laughs) trying to dox john mulaney people weren't trying to i don't know like yeah like contact him specifically like trying to get at him and like yeah give him death threats like whatever you know trying to actively make his life worse like john mulaney is not on tiktok like there's no way he's like really like you know unless he's actively seeking opinions from people about his life is he even going to see any of these videos like Mm -hmm. at all like you know that reminds me of a video one of the parasocial relationship guys where he was like doing this dumb skit of like john mulaney talking about his year and it was like basically like my wife got a lot more my ex-wife got a lot of more instagram followers so that was weird and it was like so belittling Mm -hmm. like i was like this is how all of these things were framed and it was tied to the idea of parasocial relationships because that sounds very uh serious Mm -hmm. to like accuse someone of that yeah when what it is is belittling the feelings and opinions of teen girls but women in general Mm -hmm. absolutely and it's just i don't know how we got like so backwards with this like um discussion like (laughs) i just like i it really shocked me in the moment and I still like haven't fully like processed how insane this is to have people just like voicing their general opinions on shitty behavior to have people just come in full defense of some random person and it feels the same too like when people are talking about social issues and talking about like billionaires and like criticizing capitalism and then like some random guy was like um i actually work like 80 hours a week and i'm living the american dream so like why don't you shut up about jeff bezos or whatever and it's like what does this have to do with you yeah it's like feels very like why are you so personally offended if you're not doing the same behavior you know it's like like you just are showing that this is something you would also be doing mm -hmm. and that you probably have done because i 
imagine if most women have this exact experience. Yeah. A lot of fucking men do this. Mm -hmm. And probably men you know. Yeah. I'm like, men do this all the time. I'm like, women do it too. But, like, it is way more common for men to wait until they have a foot in another boat before they leave a relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, they are working on building a different relationship while they are with you. And that is insanely common. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Because men don't know how to be alone. No, they absolutely don't. That's a topic for another day. Yeah. If I could find a way to work that into a whole thing, I Mm -hmm. would. Because... We know that, like, men don't know how to take care of themselves. They and their life expectancy don't. goes down if they're not partnered. Mm-hmm. But for women, their life expectancy goes down if they are partnered with men. Yes, because men search for a mother. Yeah. And women look for partners and then don't find them because they end up with a child. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I feel like this was a really... I mean, I've been seeing a lot of skewed information about parasocial relationships anyways. Mm-hmm. But it was this that, like, really, you know, kicked it off. Mm-hmm. And so now what I see a lot of is moderately popular tiktokers who get bullied in their comments and then say we're not friends you can't make jokingly mean comments to me yeah we're not friends Mm -hmm. and it's like first of all i think you're just being bullied honestly like if someone insults me i'm not like we're not friends you can't do that yeah i'm like i've never bullied my friends like my instinct when i make friends is to not be like hey how about i point out your insecurities Mm -hmm. and like go after information that I know you're insecure about. Right, like actively trying to hurt them. Yeah. I was like, I think that they just don't like you. Yeah. Like, they're Um, not your friend. (laughs) Right. I was like, that's not what's happening. Mm -hmm. And second of all, I was like, constantly claiming that you as a TikToker with 3 million followers have all these people with parasocial relationships is like a weird misunderstanding of what your audience is. Mm -hmm. And it's like a weird, um, like, self-importance kind of thing. Absolutely. Like an ego thing to be like, all of these people who are commenting on my video have a parasocial relationship with me. And it's like, yeah, you can just watch content and comment on someone's video. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Like, yeah. it's really, it's not a parasocial relationship. Yeah. Even if they are, like, joking or pointing at an insecurity or they make a joke that doesn't land, mm-hmm. it doesn't have anything to do with a parasocial relationship. Absolutely, not at all. Especially on the internet where it's like everybody is performing. So mm-hmm. it's like people leaving comments and like joking in comments and stuff are leaving those comments for the benefit of like other people as well. Yes. Like, like not they, just you. Yeah, it's like for the comment section. Like right. people are making these comments for the likes, for other people to laugh at, to like, it's them like doing the next step in the like kind of like comedy bit or whatever mm-hmm. on your TikTok. Uh, it's like the goal. Whether right. or not that lands, whether or not they're psychopathic in their like <laughs> opinions or whatever is like neither here nor there. Like that's the goal of like right. commenting. It's like not just for you. It's yeah, for the general public who's also watching your videos. Yes. Um and that kind of leads me into the next thing of why the situation is so insane is obviously because this is a huge thing on the internet, it became like a big news source. News publications and um, editorials, opinions or whatever um, were getting picked up and people were like writing essays or articles on this situation. And a lot of them just like took to the, you know, accusations of parasocial relationships and just ran with it like it was fact. I found (laughs) so many articles just being like, let's study the situation of these parasocial relationships with John Mulaney. And it's like, (laughs) why are you just taking that as a baseline fact here? Like, guys, like, did you not think... just because a man said that? Yeah. Is that why you're writing your dumb little BuzzFeed article about parasocial relationships? Yeah, there are freaking, like, BuzzFeed, Bustle, HuffPost, Slate, like, all of these fucking dumbass like opinion sites um 
all wrote things just working from a baseline. There are people with parasocial relationships with John Mulaney. And I was like, how did we start here? Right. Because it has no foundation in facts or in, like, actual, like, fucking definitions of parasocial relationships at all. But you guys just were like, yep, they are parasocial relationships. Because, again, A, it's teenage girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and B, this establishment of this situation was by fucking men who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Right. Um, And so because of these news sources and stuff, just establishing that this is what parasocial relationships are, there's a lot of misinformation like on the internet of like what makes a parasocial relationship and what makes, you know, this a parasocial relationship. And I specifically saw this one quote um, by Kaylee Donaldson. Um, It's a long paragraph. I'll post it on our Instagram. But in her article, she says, we share an affinity for the guy, her article, sorry. Um, This is a quote from her article uh, about the parasocial relationships of John Mulaney specifically. And she says, quote, we share an affinity for the guy who seems to embody dorkiness, the observational funny guy who radiates a kind of wholesomeness even as he talked about his problems. Few white men in American comedy inspire as much love as he does, perhaps because in a sea of faux provocations and wannabe contrarians, Mulaney felt refreshingly simple. Every comedian, even the most scathingly self-loathing ones, puts on a persona that makes it easy to convey the cold hard truth. Um, which I was like, okay, that description of John Mulaney is, is, I think has some, um, fact to it. I feel like that's the way people felt, you know, before this whole situation came down. Right, especially the refreshingly simple with, like, so many people that just want to be edgelords. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, the thing that I took problem with, with this quote, is the sharing and affinity thing. Um, Mm. I was like, yes, that is true, but I was like, she kind of said this in a way of like sharing an affinity equals parasocial relationship is kind of like the implicit kind of argument that ends up in this article. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. I was like, you can share an affinity with people, even, you know, people on the internet creators or celebrities or whatever, like enjoy their content, thinking that they're similar to you, like having some sort of like view on their experiences and being like, that's similar to my experiences. I get you. And that's not a parasocial relationship. That's right. just, like, consuming content, right. you know? I'm like, if that's the case, then I have so many parasocial relationships. With, like, literally well, every single... I have any free time. Honestly. I, was I like, have I so have many relationships I to maintain. so <laughs> many friends, guys. Like, I have so many people I need to hang out with. Um, and I just don't have time for any of them. Um, I just find that this kind of, like, blurring of the definitions, the black and white thinking is really, I don't know detrimental to all of our associations and understandings of parasocial relationships. And it's like all of these things, the fucking dumbasses who called them parasocial relationships in the first place, these news articles, all of this stuff is just like muddying the waters to Mm -hmm. the point where people are just like, if you care on any level about anyone who's has a public presence ever, you are a bad person. You have bad issues you you're unstable you're unstable you're like don't know how to look at reality um and you need to like get mental help because you care at all about anyone ever and it's like i don't understand how we got to this point of basically demonizing empathy (laughs) so i feel like where we've ended up now like because of the situation of like any single time that you 
like have any sort of sympathy or empathy for someone, you know, going through some bad shit, suddenly you are stupid. You are too emotional. You're basically every single criticism that people have of teenage girls. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's... It also, like, makes it a lot more difficult to see when there actually is a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, where someone develops a parasocial relationship to the detriment of their own mental health. You know? Yes. Like, to the point where they are not interacting with the world around them, you know, and it's just, like, really horrible for them. Like, yeah. it's harder to address that problem when anything can be seen as a parasocial relationship, regardless of whether or not it is. Mm-hmm. It's just problematic. It's very problematic. It makes it very hard to, like you said, see when things are actually bad, when things need to be evaluated, but also sets up all of these people who are growing up in this world thinking that all of their basic emotions are unhealthy. You are actually being a detriment to their mental health. Mm -hmm. How are they supposed to navigate this world, learn what it is to be a human being if they're told they're like basic instincts for empathy are terrible and they're not allowed to feel them you are creating like shells of people who are never allowed to express emotions like at all ever and it's just that's very much like how men are expected to live their lives Mm -hmm. which is why it is forced onto women like Mm -hmm. it, it is a punishment to men to remove anything that could be viewed as feminine yeah which is why that kind of stuff like sexism is horrible for men as well. Mm -hmm. But then they turn that on women. So women who exhibit any of these qualities that they see as feminine or that they are not allowed to exhibit Mm -hmm. is reduced into something that is just like over emotional. It has no place in the world. It's no logic to it, whatever. Like any of those things mean anything or have value inherently. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is just another example of that. So it's like if they can find a way to demonize something that women are doing, they are going to do it. And they like are do it, it has become such an issue where it has to be argued like it's some sort of true thing. But it's very much a Ben Shapiro argument where it starts from a place that is false. Yes. So every logical conclusion after that point no longer makes any sense because you started with a lie to begin with. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Like when you distort the definitions and the realities of parasocial relationships from the beginning, anything you say from that point is just invalid because you're just starting off at the wrong place. Like a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to close this out with something that I feel like I learned from reading about these real parasocial relationships that have, you know, gone horribly and looking at all of this Mulaney discourse. And I feel like one way I think is easy to distinguish whether or not someone is in a parasocial relationship is to look at their like intent and like what, like Mm -hmm. what they could get out of it. And it's from what I could tell people in like these bad forms of parasocial relationships they are doing what they're doing for some sort of personal game like the kid who went to Elaheim's house is he wants some sort of like older brother or like you know father figure someone who can take care of him like that's what his goal is and he thought he could find it in them Dante saw you thought he found his wife his life partner um in Gwyneth Paltrow and he that's what he wanted he wanted to have this relationship like this established thing um you know John Hinckley wanted a fame and notoriety, and Mm -hmm. he wanted that alongside with Foster. Um, There's something that they can get out of it. And what I've noticed with people 
you know, talking about John Mulaney and their disappointment in these situations is they don't want anything. Like, they're not demanding that he has to get back with his wife or no. break up with Olivia Munn or abandon the child that they have together. Right. They're not, like, you know, saying, like, that you need to boycott his work and whatever. Like, there's right. nothing... They're not trying to gain personal notoriety on the internet by doing this. Like, there's no, like, Mulaney discourse accounts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's nothing that they want out of this. Like... It's just sharing a human experience and a human emotion. Exactly. And it's like the supporting of his wife is just going to come, like his ex-wife is just going to come naturally. Yeah. After that with, you know, like I said, people having similar experiences. Mm -hmm. It's like that's not wanting anything out of it just because you're like, I think that John Mulaney is a bad person Mm -hmm. and I think his wife deserves better. Yeah. His ex-wife deserves better. It was like, that's just an opinion that people can have. Right. And it doesn't mean that they are in some sort of like... Or claiming ownership of some sort of decision that John Mulaney has had. Right. Like has done or is going to do. Right. Exactly. Um, So I feel like if we can just look at that first, be like looking at people and like, are they really trying to like look for any sort of personal gain? No. Then they're probably not in some sort of unstable state. Um, right. You know, with these celebrities, like, let them live their lives. How about that? <laughs> Men? Yeah. Like <laughs> um, that will ever happen. Ugh. But yeah, so that's our series on parasocial relationships. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week with something new. Yeah. Got um, a new series on the way. Yeah. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a long one. I'll it's tell you that for It's going to be a whale. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Bye. Bye. The Podcast Rejects is a Gamer Frauds Network production. Find us on Instagram at The Podcast Rejects. For early access to all Gamer Frauds Network content and a ton of exclusive perks, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamerfrauds.